The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to talk a minute about an article at brownstone.org, Brownstone Institute, dedicated to the ideals of freedom from December 10th. These amendments would open the door to a dangerous global health bureaucracy by David Thunder. The COVID pandemic gave the World Health Organization and its partners unprecedented visibility and a tremendous amount of soft power to shape public health law and policies across the world. Over the past year or so, the WHO has been pushing hard to consolidate and expand its power to declare and manage public health emergencies on a global scale. This is a great article. Brownstone.org, December 10th. These amendments would open the door to a dangerous global health bureaucracy. Sign up for this on this website and get up to speed with the great info that they share. With me this hour is Vera Sharav, a Holocaust survivor and founder and president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection, AHRP.org a public interest watchdog organization whose goal is to unlock the walls of secrecy in biomedical research, bring accountability to that endeavor, and uphold the values and standards enshrined in the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, the Nuremberg Code, 1947, the voluntary informed consent of the human subject is absolutely essential, and in the Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights by UNESCO, 2005. Any preventive, diagnostic, and therapeutic medical intervention is only to be carried out with the prior free and informed consent of the person concerned, based on adequate information. Thank you very much for joining me again, Vera. How are you today? I'm all right. <laughs> Given the circumstances, I'm glad to be back with you. I am honored. I, I, and you've, and I'm so excited because I'm on your email list. So you, you sent out a recent, you know, bullet points of uh, hello, freedom loving people. We're all reflecting on the year and I want to reach out and highlight a few of our collective accomplishments from 2023. I could go, you know, point by point down those, but I, I just want to brag on you for a minute or two more first. Um, Folks really need to go read all about you at ahrp.org slash board slash Vera dash Sharav, S-H-A-R-A-V, for your, why don't you take a minute or whatever length you want for folks who are meeting you for the first time, your, uh, you know, what happened to you when you were a child and and your your heart your your heart and soul in advocacy for folks who could be taken advantage of well as many of you know by now but i was born in romania and when i was three and a half years old our family was deported 
and we were deported to Ukraine to a concentration camp, not a death camp, uh, where essentially we were left to die and to starve. Starvation was the really the constant. Uh, people don't know it, but there were you know more than forty two thousand camps all over Europe. Uh, it, people know about Auschwitz, but that was just one among all those thousands. And some of them were slave labor camps, uh, which corporations, not only German corporations, but American corporations profiteered from. It's another thing that's not really known. Um, my father died within about six months that we were there of uh, typhus, which was rampant in all the ghettos and concentration camps because of the overcrowding, the the lack of sanitation, uh, starvation, and the cold. Um, my mother and I managed to survive. I was there for three years. When I was rescued, there was a deal made, and I don't know who really was involved, but there was a deal made to save uh, a couple of thousand Jewish children, orphan children. Now, I wasn't legally or technically an orphan, but my mother died. My mother rather lied to save my life. Uh, you know, when it's a matter of life and death, it's okay to lie. I would say I learned that. Uh, I had a kind of an odyssey for about 10 months of being a child without any adult. And what I learned during that time came back to me during this COVID horror. And that is, first of all, I had to learn to discern people because I looked for adults to help me. I knew I couldn't take care of myself. I was very little. I didn't grow during those three years in the camp. I left in the same coat that I went there. Uh, and I did, I did choose, select good people who helped me. There was one family, a Romanian uh, Christian family who actually took me into their home. I was with them for three months because I, I was sick and um, was crying all by myself. I, I did not do well with other children, with adults. I'd been an only child, so I really needed adults, and I recognized that. And yeah, they nursed me back to health. And so I went kind of from one home to another. The end of the Odyssey uh, in Romania, when I finally actually left Romania uh, and headed for Israel before it was a state, this is 1944. Um, there were three small boats waiting to take us. And these boats, you have to understand, were rickety things. It's not the luxury liners. Uh, and I was assigned to the boat with all the orphan children. But I absolutely refused to go on that boat. I refused because on the train to the harbor city, I befriended a family. I always looked for adults to take care of me. 
And I befriended this family and I wanted to go on the boat with them, not with the children. And no matter what, they, they couldn't persuade me. I wound up alone on the dock, sitting on my little valise, crying my heart out, but I wouldn't budge no matter what. They tried to bribe me with all kinds of things and nothing, nothing. I would, no matter what, I was adamant I was not going on that boat with the children. Miraculously, and I say it miraculously because I don't know that today a child of six and a half would prevail, but I did. And I was allowed to go with the family. Um, I always got seasick badly. Uh, so I did not witness the horror of that first night out at sea. And the, and the, the trip on the boat was from Romania, from Constanza to Istanbul, across the Black Sea. Uh, during the night, the first night out, a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. There were no survivors. I only learned about it the next morning, and I never said a word. I never said one word about it. But I realized I was right. I was right to disobey. Why did you disobey? Because you wanted to be with adults, with a family? I Right. I And I would, no matter what, I remember for 10 months I'd been taking care of myself, really, by choosing people. Right. I trusted right. my judgment. I trusted my gut. And that's what I tell people now. The worst thing they can do is to comply with orders that are really not for their benefit. I don't know how many times people need to learn that yeah. when government officials tell you this is for your own good, you better run. There was there was a generation or two or three that really learned that from World War II. Never again, it can't happen here, or or just never again. And to set up talking about the documentary and your work over the last three years in since COVID appeared. Mm -hmm. Please uh, give me a little summary, Vera, of of your of your adult work up until COVID. You're a, you're you know a professional bodyguard and advocate for the kind of horrible experimentation that is one of the nightmarish legacies from the Nazis in in Germany. So a summary of your your life's work, your adult work up until COVID, and then let's plunge into COVID. Well, uh, I was, you know, trained uh, librarian, so I know how to do research a bit. And that um, was after you got to America, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. I, I, I landed in America January 7th, 1948. I was 10 and a half and spent most of my life in New York. Um, but along the way, I learned, well, my son, my firstborn son became ill with a mental disorder. And so I had to tackle the mental health system, which is a real horror. I did not expect that such things go on. Uh, 
but I had to learn the the ropes, you know, because I was trying to find help for him. And one of the uh, things that I I got involved with a parent organization, you know, but as I've learned later on, really, you know, these advocacy groups for this or that condition are lobbyists. They're actually, they become lobbyists, both for government, give, you know, more money for this group and so forth, and for the pharmaceutical companies that are pushing each new drug. I started to realize that that's what's going on. This is really, you know, I learned. Hmm. Um, and somebody sent me anonymously an article from the American Journal of Psychiatry. And this was sort of one of the first scientific, you know, psychiatric uh, journal articles that I plowed through, and I couldn't believe what I was reading. I was horrified because what was plain to me was this was a Nazi experiment. It involved 28 veterans who had been diagnosed when they were sick, but they were now living in the community, and the doctors who took them in for the experiment even said seven of them were currently not ill, so they were in complete remission. What the experiment did was take them off whatever therapies they were on and give them L-DOPA. Now, L-DOPA is prescribed for um, not, not, not anyone with mental illnesses because it can induce psychosis. And that's exactly what happened. The researchers, the purpose of the experiment was to document how long it took for each of these veterans to have a psychotic relapse. And each of them did. That's Nazi experimentation on human beings whose aim is not therapeutic. And of course, they weren't told what it was for. So that was the first inkling that I had that Nazi medicine is going on now under mm. the radar. Mm. But this is published. It was sponsored by the National Institute of Mental Health. One of the things that I learned throughout the years that I was involved with uh, psychiatric uh, research and patients is that the worst violations, the worst violations are government-sponsored experiments. So, you know, a lot of focus is on pharmaceutical companies, but the truth is the pharmaceutical companies do what government lets them. And when government sponsors research, even when they're uh, in, in these um, partnerships, private-public partnerships. It gives yep. pharmaceutical company more leeway. Indeed. Vera, I must reintroduce you. Vera Sharav, founder and president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection, AHRP.org. We ain't heard nothing yet. 
Here now is important information from TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. (laughs) When the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. You have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. The net zero con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory, it's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7, this is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And this is World Stage with Bruce Totoris, and I'm honored to have Vera Sharav with me again. 
TNT. And this is World Stage with Bruce Totoris, and I'm honored to have Vera Sharav with me again. And you are welcome, my dear, to continue your biography. Or I could hijack it and yeah. describe how it seems to me you were perfectly positioned to appreciate the con of COVID-19 and the horrors of the uh, protocols. Who's going to... Who's going to continue with it, your biography, you or me? No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> All right. You know why? Because I want to bring us up to the present real fast to okay. celebrate and really hear what you've been doing the last couple of years and especially most recently, um, your Alliance for Human Research Protection, whose goal is to unlock the walls of secrecy in biomedical research and bring accountability to that endeavor. And people can sign up for the emails. Vera's, some of Vera's advocacy achievements include suspension of EPA pesticide experiment called Cheers on children, a complaint led to, that led to two federal investigations on the use of children in foster care as guinea pigs in experimental AIDS drug and vaccine trials, suspension of smallpox vaccine on children, suspension of violence prediction experiment that exposed six to 11-year-old New York City boys of color to fenfluramine. Okay, the, the list goes on and on. Learn all about Vera at ahrp.org. So, what maybe we'll just drive right into what never again is not global. We could just talk about the documentary if you want to review that. That does that's does that would your account of it sufficiently tell the story of uh how COVID intruded in your consciousness and what you made of it, or do you or should you do you want to just address that? How did COVID, and what did you make of it? How quickly? And you are a, a, a blazing voice to spread the word for truth and sanity, to protect so many people who are still just obeying authority and, yeah. and, and experiencing harm. So COVID. I'll tell you, the, the thing that struck me very, very early was really uh, in April. Uh, when New York City was the epicenter of death, which was attributed to COVID. The only problem was that a few women went with their cell phones and took videos of hospitals all across New York City. And guess what? They were empty. They were empty. Everyone was told how hospitals were overrun and death was everywhere. I had a call from my sister-in-law in Jerusalem who said, my God, I, I read that Central Park is now a hospital. I said, what? Those videos of the empty hospitals told me this whole thing is a scam. I didn't quite know how deadly a scam at that point. But then... The death rates, the body count piled up, the old people, right? The elderly were being systematically medically murdered. And 
when I said it on a couple of interviews, radio interviews, people shut me up. Oh, no, you don't mean that they, they just didn't know. that. I said, no. I'm in New York City. Andrew Cuomo was governor then. Before he issued the murderous order not to treat the elderly, to send them to nursing homes, where if they happened to have whatever, a flu or whatever, they would be infecting other people rather than being treated. And of course, and he predicted, these are his words, not mine. He predicted this, this virus in nursing homes will be like fire through dry grass. I mean, I just, that's it. I had the whole scenario between the empty hospitals, because only three hospitals were being sent patients. Everybody else had no, nothing to do. It was empty. After They stopped treating people for everything else, and they had people, you know, locked up, essentially house arrest. And I realized, you know what, this is like the T4 program in Nazi Germany. The T4 program was not, did not target Jews. This was in 1939. It began with German infants and young children under the age of three. Their crime was that they were disabled in some way. So they were taken away from their parents to whom they lied that they were going to give them special treatment to improve their health. And they were then medically murdered uh, by doctors and nurses. And doctors signed fake death certificates indicating the children died natural causes. Then uh, the next group were older children, disabled. And then the mentally ill, all asylums were just emptied out. And finally, the elderly in nursing homes. The Nazis called all these human beings worthless eaters. I think that when you condemn people to be like grass in a fire, you're saying the same thing. The attitude is the same. And then, so, and, and while that's happening, you, like all of us, are seeing the most official of officials at White House lecterns describing, blaming it on the disease and not, you know, and, and facilitating the lies. And did you, in that first year, that spring and that summer of 2020, um, what research you, did you do? We were hearing about a vaccine coming out by the end of the year, 2021, early 2021, it started coming out. When did you conceive the documentary Never Again Is Not Global? And I don't want to rush you through these points, but I want to definitely pack into the remaining time that we have here, a, a, a good uh, account of the documentary and your, and your work since. So uh, I guess pick up 2020, or or wherever uh, makes sense. Well, one of the things uh, is that because of my work, you know, in the psychiatric field, I was used or I already recognized hype. And hype is a 
was a a drug that killed my son was hyped that way. So I would I've been very very alert to this hype, you know, where oh this is the the one thing, and of course I also read a whole bunch of things. And and when uh, Bill Gates said the final solution to the COVID will be a vaccine, well I heard final solution. I said there he goes. He's old enough to know what final solution is. I pick up. These are, you know, spontaneous truths spat out. Um, so the whole rollout of these injections didn't make sense. And I did, li- you know, I did listen to and read the conscientious scientists who were saying right from the beginning, this can't be. You cannot produce a safe and effective vaccine overnight. Yep. Speed. What the hell does warp speed mean? You're talking about people's lives. Yep. So I realized, you know, the lives don't matter. The business of the vaccines matters. But the thing is that this is particularly, this is something different. It's not only government uh, aligned partner, but this is under military guys. Now, wait a minute. Since when is the military involved in public health? Mm-mm, that's not their, that's not their mandate. That's not their mandate. Their mandate are weapons. And in this I case, think that, weapons- I think that's the, I think that's the smoking gun of, of COVID and the injections. Uh, that is not close to being, I don't think, well well known enough. But thanks to you and other and others like you, um, continue along those lines, please. Well, absolutely. The, the these injections are uh, countermeasures, military countermeasures. Countermeasures is not a a product that the FDA supervises. So the whole idea that the FDA officials aren't doing their job, well, this was taken out of their agency. As a matter of fact, only Woodcock, what's her first name? Forgot, I forget their names, and there's reason for that too. Anyway, Joan, Joan Woodcock, whatever. She was, she was, she left the FDA for the time that she sat in on the military panel that rolled out the COVID shots that are be, were marketed as vaccines. But no one else at the FDA was privy to any of the information. So that a lot of the sort of blame that's going on the bureaucrats at FDA is really not there. They had nothing to do with it. They, it was taken mm-hmm. out of their agency. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't meet any of the criteria of a medical therapeutic product, and certainly not vaccine. Right. Early on, we learned that the vaccine did not prevent infection, did not prevent the spread, did not do anything that normally a right. vaccine is supposed to do. Not that right. do it, but. So this is a totally different animal. This is a, this is something outside of the medical uh, panoply. This is part of weaponry. 
And and did you get the idea for the documentary? I'm assuming you had the idea for the documentary. Tell me if that's true or not. And was it uh, what culminated in in that being a must do kind of decision? All of the above, or was it after? the evidence and the story started coming in of the injuries and deaths being inflicted by the injections. Um, no, actually, you know what it was? It was the forbidden, forbidden uh, topic of yeah. comparing the parallels between the Holocaust, the uh, lead up to the Holocaust and COVID. And also, and, well, that also reminds me of the the deplatforming, the forbidden discussion or dissent or or honest evaluation. The the scientists and doctors and researchers who were pushing back against all these protocols. But tell me the story of the uh, evolution and the and the and the creation of Never Again Is Not Global dot com, a five part documentary series watchable for free. Produced by your alliance and also the Children's Health Defense, I believe, right? Yes, that's right. Um, so the fact that we were being, that censorship was going on very, very heavy-handed way, and that, yeah, that you were forbidden to compare the lead-up where it was very clear that this is what's happening, uh, led me to say, well, if they are so afraid of people making the comparison, that means this is the button to go after. And I thought, you know, there, there are probably other Holocaust survivors who will see what, what they have to say. And I have to tell you, because I had never done a documentary before, I broke all the rules. No script, no outline, nothing. I had arguments with a committee and then we settled on, I want nothing. I want it to come out during the, I interviewed 32 people and they are the ones, I didn't ask them leading questions, you know, and all that. No, I, I figured they have something to say. If they're, if they're willing to be, uh, you know, photographed, they, they have something to say. Just let them say it and it'll, we'll see what happens. And miraculously, really, it worked out extremely well. Uh, not only did they have some very interesting uh, perspectives, and all different, because each one is each one is an individual. Each one has their own experience. They, they don't sound alike, and their experience is not alike at all. Remember, this uh, covers, you know lots of different countries in Europe. I mean, this is not just one place. And we, I interviewed also survivors, children of survivors, and grandchildren of survivors. Grandchildren in particular have some very interesting perspectives because one of the things that grandchildren love to hear stories that the grandparents tell. And some of them, one in particular musician, his grandmother really sat him down, the only one in the family. She didn't tell anyone else what went on because many survivors really kind of buried the past. 
but she told him everything. And he said to her, he was a little boy, why are you telling me all this? This is terrible. And she said, I'm telling you this because if ever, if ever you're confronted with something like that, with a horror, you better make sure you know how to fight and how not to say yes, sir. She's actually, she must have been really quite a tough lady because she had survived six uh, slave labor camps. And she told how different ones escaped, you know. There were always, you know, from the trains, there was always someone, one or two crazy people who uh, jumped off the train, and uh, they tended to survive, you know. Vera, we are, we are going to continue. Vera Sharav is with me talking about her five-part documentary, Never Again is Now Global, viewable for free online. Never Again is Now Global.com. And here now is important information from TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. There are big changes going on in the overall global weather pattern over the next 15 to 20 days exactly opposite of what happened last year. The United States overall is going to become a big focal point for winter weather. Europe also, again, once we get past this transition from the 20th through the 30th. So Europe is warmed up, but a lot of cold is coming, it looks to me, like January, February. And the U.S. may have another bout with snowmageddon especially in the eastern part of the United States. But this is all part of this climate hypothesis I've developed due to underwater volcanic activity. And I've gone over this a couple of times and it's pretty hard to do it in a minute or two, so I'm not gonna review it. But what we said over a month ago was that there was gonna be a lot of damaging storms from the El Nino this year the Gulf of Mexico up the East Coast, and we got another one coming. We already saw Florida blasted back on November 17th, or here comes the next one. But I also said, look out for the hurricane season from hell next hurricane season. That's already on my radar. And if you want to read about it, you go to weatherbell.com. It's not behind the paywall. And you can take a look at what I'm looking at with that. But none of this is part of man-made climate change. That's why I like getting out in front. Because if you look at the readings that I've been doing and actually look at what I've been writing about all this, you find that there is a reason behind it and it has nothing to do with CO2 emissions. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. 
You're with Bruce DeTorres and World Stage on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And with me is Vera Sharav, the president and founder of the Alliance for Human Research Protection, a public interest watchdog organization dedicated to unlocking the walls of secrecy in biomedical research. The site is ahrp.org. It's a nonprofit tax-exempt educational organization. All The board of directors are all unpaid volunteers who donate both time and other resources. People can help their efforts and make a tax-deductible contribution, ahrp.org. And the documentary, Made with Children's Health Defense, is a five-part series, neveragainisnowglobal.com that dares to draw comparisons between Third Reich crimes and the COVID-19 operation. It has garnered millions of views around the world, and it has been translated into multiple languages. My dear, do you want to tell me more about uh, Never Again Is Now Global? Do you yeah. want to share about the new episode that just came out? Um, do you want to talk about the book you're working on, which I can't wait for you to finish? Never again is now global genocide. And I hope I'm not revealing things that you meant just to keep to your email list. So what no, no, shall we just... <laughs> well, and, 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 and there's also David Webb's new film, The Great Taking. Yeah, right. So we've got a we've got a smorgasbord here of uh, smorgasbord. I do want to emphasize. We, by the way, we also we need help with the a sixth episode, which will be the final one, because I have two. Uh, well, Holocaust yeah. survivors, and one of them died in the meantime. Mm. Oh, so that's yeah. Uh, but I do want to emphasize something that one of the the features each uh, each episode at the end where we give uh, you know credit the usual uh, we get, cite five righteous Gentiles who remained human beings who risked their own lives to save Jews. Some of them were neighbors, but others were perfect strangers, and. This is very, very important. To, to me, this is one of the most important parts of the uh, film because it says there are human beings, there are people worthy of saving. And because of them, the world, you know, continues. And we have to really honor those who stood out from the pack and did not follow orders. And Amen. each story is totally different. What is fascinating about these well at Yad Vashem in Jerusalem they have vetted more than 2700 so this is very important people need to know that not all uh onlookers were onlookers many really did some unbelievable feats to save uh and they did it for no other reason than another human being is in need and they're in a position to possibly save them. Uh, some hid children, some, you know, ch turned chicken coops, you know, into secret uh, hiding places. However, the, the, the dark side that we should know about what is now 
in preparation, if people keep obeying, there will be no escape, there'll be no hiding place because the surveillance now is 24 seven. And if people take the, you know, if they get the electronic ID, that's the end of humanity because that means everybody will be essentially in a concentration camp where the surveillance is 24 seven, no escape. If you disobey, then once you have that ID, they will stop your access to your money. Now, by then you will be dependent. What they're planning really is for us to be dependent on government handouts. And those would only come with an ID and with your obedience. End of story. That's that's imminent unless unless people join us and say no. Yes. And I recommend your documentary Never Again is Now Global because it is packed with a hundred, hundred and fifty year history. Uh, which is the wave that these current events are riding on with the descendants and legacy, some families, many institutions and companies propelling the effort to so control us, so sicken us, Mm -hmm. so depopulate us to, to people speculate different percentages and amounts of how much of the population would they like to eliminate mm. over time and you and the documentary also shows chapter and verse very specific details overwhelming amounts of testimonials of the harm the injuries and the deaths being inflicted by mm. governments pushing these poisonous murderous protocols and products mm-hmm. and if anyone is you know watching or listening who has resisted studying this to such a degree, you and you're still laughing at it as, oh, that's just tinfoil conspiracy hat wearing nonsense. Yeah. Ooh, boo, boo, you know. Well, keep tuning into my show and then follow Vera Sharav and just have an open mind and look at what is being presented and shared with you because you can trust your own intelligence after you see but the mainstream and quote unquote authority will never show you. You deserve to see it all and make up your own mind. What does that inspire from you as a response to all that, Vera? Yeah, this is exactly it. People don't realize that by obeying, they're giving the enemy power. Without our obedience, they have no power. You can, and you know, I, Years ago, Nancy Reagan said, just say no. She meant it against illicit drugs. Well, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. It's the same thing. Just say no. If people say mm-hmm. no, they will not have any power to enforce their diabolical plan. Now, they've told us what the plan is, right? Yeah. And, and, and You will and have you did, nothing and you will be happy. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I, you've you've got the film clips, and you've got the, the you know the 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 statement there in their own words, you know, in this in this fantastic documentary. Um, I, at the risk of zigzagging too abruptly, 
the the latest and greatest about it this the latest brand new episode that came out uh recently i guess it's episode five do you want to talk about that do you want to talk about the the one in development which is about what's happening in the in the middle east um because i want to i want to get your thoughts on all of these things and we've come <laughs> to our last kind of segment here so a little hard no the the yeah. the fifth segment uh really had um what happened in hospitals where we have scott shara telling the horror story of his 19 year old daughter whose crime was she had down syndrome and uh, he has documented exactly i mean with all the documentation from the hospital, how they murdered her. They medically murdered her, you know, full deliberately. Now, yeah. he, this is a, going to be a court case, which is may really break the dam because it yeah. will be a trial by jury. Once yeah. a jury hears this, the media will not be able to ignore it. And that's in this new that's in the new segment five. He's been yeah. a guest on my show a couple of times. I think um, ouramazinggrace.net is his website, yes. and it's a it's a heartbreaking story. And yet, at the same time, the love and enthusiasm he shared with his daughter is palpable in Scott as he tells the story and how he is driven to save lives by telling it. And also, your new episode five, "Never Again Is Not Global," has is 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 packed with compelling, very important, and even horrifying, you know, stories. But what really stayed with me last night was the 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 woman from Israel talking about Abital. Oh, thank you uh, what's what's happening over there as a result of the the the, the truly well-meaning patriotic obedience that the population trusting their government you want to talk about that for a minute or a little bit yeah what I would yeah what people need to think about as far as what the Israeli people are going through, what the Palestinian people are going through. Uh, remember that this same prime minister, the same government, made Israel, the Israeli people, into the world laboratory. He sold not only the medical uh, documents of the population to Burla, the head of Pfizer, he also gave them the he gave him the DNA, Israeli DNA. I mean, that is insanity. That is criminal insanity. I, I can't. It's unbelievable to anyone who knows a little bit about weaponry and the efforts that are going on all over to create bioweapons that gear specific people specific nationalities specific yeah. genome and and the, and the and population the, you know, has and they have a vaccination rate of epic proportions so yes. the, i believe they're the most per capita vaccinated population i don't know they were the forerunners they were the first ones so i think that people ought to think therefore this government is not protecting the israeli public it's selling them out. And in fact, this, what happened uh, in October 7th, I think it rises to um, treason. Where was, where was all the protection? I mean, Israel really has strong protection 
from interlopers, you know, because yes, they are in a constant, not in a war, but it's it's like a war. You know, when you have rockets coming at you or marauders, the point is, I don't think that this has anything to do with Israeli people or Palestinian people. It has to do with a big other global objective. One of them being some very, very big gas uh, in, in the Mediterranean there, right where Gaza is. If anyone thinks that that means nothing, they don't know geopolitics. And that is not that is not totally within Israeli uh, hands because it's much bigger than for little Israel. Vera. I mean, they were, you know, this is yeah. a very serious, you know, and, and it explains why they want to get rid of anything, any people in Gaza, because they want to start digging up the, the gold. Yes. We, have, we have about two or three minutes left. What haven't we discussed that you'd like to? What would you reiterate? What's coming up that you're excited about? What help do you need? Well, yeah, we need help with the sixth episode. We need help to fix our website because something went awry. Anything with technology, you know, it, I'm at war with. But I think people need to realize that we really, really can win this out. We can win against them. They've tried things before. and But we need to to recognize that we are made in God's image and we have a right to make our own choices, our own life choices. Don't don't defer to authorities or experts. They're not right. interested in you. They're not protecting you. You're responsible for your own children, not Fauci. And I, I, I love to talk to folks who avoid studying this they want to keep their heads in the sand they and i and i also love talking to the folks who know what you and i know and they're just cynical and checked out and say you can't fight city hall it's it's a done deal it's all wrapped up no it's not you're right vera we can win this if everyone who knows even these cynical people open their mouths and spread the word because just the sheer Numbers, when enough um, of us know and say no and resist and want to cleanse corruption and crimes and want honesty and accountability and transparency from our governments, we'll have those things. That's right. It really is by obeying, you are giving them the ammunition. Yep. And by thinking that you're, you're too powerless, it's little old me. Where should people follow you primarily, Vera? Where's the best place? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I guess the website, which will have to beef up now because I've neglected it. Because AH, AHRP.org? Yeah. And you're yeah. on Twitter. Are you and on? We, yeah, actually, someone. Yeah, I am on Twitter. And I am Never Again is not global, is now global.com. Do you uh, publish on Substack? N not, no, I don't. You know, All there's right. only so much I can do. Really? <laughs> you know, I'm 86 years old. There's only so much I can do. <laughs> God, God bless you, Vera. I'm going to stay in touch with you and beg you back on. Vera Sharav, AHRP.org. This is TNT Radio.